Welcome to Let's Get Unraveled, a place where artists from all walks of life come to share their unabridged stories and speak openly and candidly about their creative journeys. We're so happy you're here. Hi, everybody. I'm Co Hodges, the co-founder of Unraveled Academy, an online photography school and community where we offer artists a place to grow and create without fear of judgment and where every artist has a seat at the table. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing the incredible Eliana Alon. She is an amazing artist as well as an Unraveled instructor, and it's been an honor just to watch her reach new creative heights this past year, especially um, as she's totally shaking up the photography world. So thank you so much for being here, honey. Thank you for having me. Such an honor. Oh, this is going to be so much fun. So let's dig right in. First, can you tell everybody where you are located in the world and what work you primarily do? Um, yeah, so I live in Canada, um, right smack in the middle of North America, actually, um, in a little city called Winnipeg, um, which is on the Canadian prairie. Um, and um, yeah, I I primarily am known for birth photography. Um I've been doing that since 2016 um, when and I, I picked that time um, because my little ones were old enough for me to leave uh, overnight. Um, I wanted to start beforehand and I had already decided on doing it, um, doing birth photography before and I was just waiting for the right time. It just uh, it just took some time because I was still nursing them in bed um, yes. and we bed shared. So. Um, co-slept I should say so it just took a little time before I felt confident enough to leave them um, overnight and so yeah 2016 was when I could do that and I've been doing primarily birth photography work since and just related themes you know related to birth photography so um, work with pregnancy and postpartum and, and sort of related themes. Oh, amazing. Well, your work is so inspiring, and we're going to dig into that pretty heavily in this interview. Um, can we talk a little bit about your early, early years? When did you first pick up a camera and why? Hmm. Um, I haven't actually written about that in the course, but um, I, I got my first camera when I was 19. Um, I finished high school here in Winnipeg, and then I moved back to Israel where I was born. Um, that was sort of the first thing um, that I needed to do. I needed to just sort of go back to my homeland and explore my roots. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a returning citizen to that country, um, I received benefits, m- monetary benefits, um, because they want to encourage people to return to Israel mm-hmm. who were born there and had left as minors. So I received a lump sum uh, uh, money, um, like a lump sum amount of money. I can't remember now what it was, but it was sizable for a 19 year old. Sure. Um, the first thing I did was go to a camera store and buy a camera. Um, <laughs> so Amazing. at the time, I mean, there was no, professional, there was no professional dream in my mind at the time. It was just like, okay, I'm here. This is pretty amazing. I want to capture right. my memories um, while, while I'm going through this you know, epic time in my life. Um, and at the time, that was, um, you know, I'm no spring chicken, so that was <laughs> 1999. Uh, this was before the DLS, uh, DSLR, so I bought a manual camera. I think it was a Pentax. Awesome. Um, and, yeah, that's that's when I picked up – that's when I bought my first camera with money that the Israeli government threw at me, <laughs> hoping I could pay. Kind of funny because I didn't stay. Right. Um, and um, and that was that was primarily why at the time. Um, but it quickly became uh, a, a, 
an incredible play toy. You know, I, mm -hmm. I was already sort of playing around with freelancing. I didn't even know I was doing it, but, um, <laughs> but I was sort of, um, playing around with freelancing at the time. I was inverting my lens to get macro shots of oh, right. um, super close up images of like uh, succulents and cacti and all kinds of neat vegetation I'd never seen before. Well, I had seen it before, but as at age 19, um, since I hadn't been there since age five, right. it was all new to me and I was sort of discovering new things all the time. So mm. uh, it was a really beautiful playground to explore things through my lens, you know, uh, um, up the camera. How long did you stay there? So I was there for just under two years and it was actually September 11th that um, uh, the events of September 11th um, in New York that um, drove me back home. Sure. Um, so a, a massive event and uh, sort of shook the world and when that happened I was working in a hotel um, in the southern tip of Israel and sort of like a Las Vegas type uh, resort town mm -hmm. in the desert um, and um, and it happened during my shift that day and just felt like the whole world was crashing down mm -hmm. yes. um, and I remember my parents getting on the phone um, they were separated at the time, you know, uh, by then, but, uh, but they each sort of got on the phone with me and, and said, like, we, we want you home. Um, sure. we, we have no idea what's going on in the world right now, and we need you home. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, uh, September 25th, I believe. So just a couple of weeks after the, uh, that tragic event, I um, flew home. Wow. And you stayed in Canada ever since? And yeah, yeah. I basically have. Although I was married, my first husband was an Argentinian man, mm. and um, so we lived in Canada. But I did travel to Argentina three three times for large chunks of time each time, just to to visit his family. Sure, uh, it was important to him. We spent that time traveling to Argentina primarily. Oh, yeah, amazing. You have the most fascinating story. I think I could talk about your early years like this whole interview. Oh, it's. Uh, I, I, this could be all day <laughs> for sure I oh my gosh it's a fun story I mean there's no taboo I can talk about anything I so. love it I love it well let's let's talk about this I you and I connect on a on many levels but we were both nurses registered nurses in different capacities um, which is why I think I find uh, your story so fascinating it's so different than mine but then there's so many parallels um, can we talk about that when you made the shift from a quote-unquote regular job to photography yeah that was um it's so funny. Like I, I could speak about this all day, just because it's so interesting how, um, w it's so interesting what we're willing to give up mm -hmm. um, when we're only thinking about ourselves, and then all of a sudden you throw a child into the mix, mm -hmm. and suddenly things shift, and that's sort of what what made it change for me. Because mm -hmm. until I got pregnant and actually had my children. Um, I was just willing to kind of put up with a life that I knew deep down wasn't really um, my, the, my, my true calling of life, but I was just sort of like being an adult, you know, or what I thought of as be doing the right thing. So I was with a man I didn't really feel truly passionate about, but mm. he was the best I could do. And, and, and who was I to complain? I mean, I, I was doing quite well. So why, yeah. you know, why, why stir the pot when I, I have something good going? You know, and I, that right was there. the mentality towards the relationship. Right. And that was the same mentality towards the work I, I was doing. And especially since, you know, and again, it's actually very parallel. Like 
you know, I'd already put in X number of years into the relationship, why throw it away? Totally. And similarly with the, the work, I put in six years into the degree mm -hmm. and I had a degree, why throw it away? And then I had like an, a year in the job, then it became two, then it became three. And all, all that time it was always that same sort of inner monologue in my head, like, well, I've put in all this time, why throw it away? I'd be crazy to throw away this right. stable paycheck that I've put in the work. Yes. It, it took a long time before I realized that, you know what, I don't actually lose the work that I put into it by walking away from it. Mm -hmm. It all adds to my value and it all adds to what I can offer later on and whatever else I choose to do in my life. Absolutely. And, and, and it, it took having a baby to kind of realize that when I realized like, you know what, this is um pretty seismic right now. I've just like created this new human and all of a sudden, my own personal legacy became quantifiable. Like I was able to actually look at it and see it for what it was worth. And and, and I couldn't actually see what it was worth in total, but I could see the potential mm -hmm. for how much it could be worth later on for my child when she looks back on, on who she is and where she came from and who her mother was. Mm -hmm. And that's when I realized, like, holy shit, I need to do something meaningful with my life that I can – you know, if I die tomorrow, like I need to feel good about what I've done with this time I've had. Um, and all this sort of like, well, I'm doing okay. I've put in all this time. You know, why should I complain when I've, I've got it okay? Enough of this sort of mentality when, you know, there's no reason why I can't shoot for higher and right. shoot for more meaning, you know? Oh, absolutely. Like, like, like I of like hit this sort of threshold and you know in certain points in in the world there's certain places in the world where where that is actually what you can do what mm -hmm. what you feel you can do maybe security situation or maybe health wise or maybe you know your financial situation just doesn't allow you mm -hmm. to follow your dreams potentially or maybe maybe that job is your dream and that's okay that's great absolutely um, so you can stick with it and have an amazing career and an amazing life doing something meaningful and that, that meaningful thing may be healthcare. And I don't want to take away from that career. Um, it's an incredible career. But for me, I had this in, inner voice that was calling and, 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 you know, at first it was whispering and then it became mm -hmm. a scream eventually. And I could not turn away from it. I, I was, I was, uh, I reached a point where anytime I put my scrubs on, um, I felt like I was, I, it had gone beyond putting on a uniform. It was, it felt like I was putting on a costume right. and, and I didn't feel like I was being truthful. And whenever I was sort of interacting with other healthcare professionals, I felt like, I felt like I was a clown, you know, it mm -hmm. just didn't feel real. I felt like I suddenly started feeling resentful towards my name tag, towards my yeah. uniform, towards my stethoscope like I was just like I shouldn't be wearing this around my neck like this is not who I am right. like I do this job well and I know how to do it and I love my patients um, and I still feel good when I go home because I knew I, I I know I felt I did something meaningful and I helped people feel better and and and, and was part of a team that helped them um, right. you know rehabilitate um, but at the same time I just felt like it was just not what I should be doing with my with my with the gifts that I've been given. Oh, absolutely. And I just so much clearer with every passing day, you know? Oh, so. I, I feel like there's so many people who can, who can relate to that and this resonates with them deeply. And for those of you who it does, like, please take note of this. It's, it's a, 
it's a pretty common thread um, for people to, I, and I use the word settle, um, and it's not depictive of the actual career choice, but based off your individual you know, perception of what your life should be. I, I did the same thing. I worked as a nurse for 10 years in healthcare for 13. And, you know, I, I would, I really struggled. I struggled with it. And I, I was like, you, yeah, I was good at it. I was good at it. I won awards sometimes. And then slowly but surely it became this very, um, I just went and I put my head down and I turned co off and I turned nurse Colleen on and I did my work and I cashed my check and I went home to my kids and I felt good about providing for them. But other than that, I did not love it. Um, and there's lots of people that that is their calling and healthcare is amazing and it's so individualized, uh, and there's nothing wrong with it not being yours. Like that took me years to figure out that it was okay that I didn't want to be there, you know, cause you feel yeah. so much guilt for that. Oh, for sure. Oh yeah. When you say guilt, I come from, you know, I, I come from an immigrant family. Mm. So that guilt is like just really, really strong because mm. I grew up in a household where I was constantly reminded, this is what we gave up to give you a better life. Mm -hmm. This is what, you know, my, both my parents had thriving careers in their respective countries. They gave those careers up to move to Canada. They lost, you know, all of that when they moved here because they didn't know English and they, they didn't have their credentials. They had to start over so that they could give us a better life, me and my siblings. And then of course, every coin they brought into the house over hard, hard labor work, you know, that they had to do that wasn't really their, their career, their work, their chose chosen, you know, work. Um, they pulled together and put us into, you know, extracurricular activities, music lessons, art lessons. In fact, actually, my art classes during uh, my K to 12 years, uh, my early years, was all on scholarship. They mm -hmm. couldn't afford to put me into art classes, but my my art teachers in elementary school recognized my talents and they put me forward um, uh, to apply for scholarships. Mm -hmm. And so I was really privileged to to take um, these really specialized art classes um, at, at our um, big art gallery here in Winnipeg um, that offer, you know, children's classes every Saturday morning. And that those years were amazing for me because if, if it hadn't been for those scholarships, I wouldn't have had extra um, exposure to art. It would have just been through public school system, mm -hmm. um, which is fine. But I mean, I just got so much more enrichment out of those scholarships. So, you know, just coming from an immigrant family, the guilt is even stronger because here mm -hmm. I am, I've got this that I worked hard for um, and and we you know if, if you're from an immigrant family you know that education is extremely revered I mean it's revered in any any family but particularly for immigrants who've worked so hard and lost yes. so much to get to that place of you know affluence or whatever um, you know benefits they're, they're they're striving for for their children mm -hmm. um, and just having that on my shoulders and even considering the idea of leaving all of that behind mm -hmm. to do something indulgent yeah. um that uh, you know self-employment it's just like completely absurd and it took me a long time not quite 10 years but I mean I was just extremely miserable and on top of everything on top of uh, of this sort of inner voice that was growing inside me um and also just my past and being aware of the fact that I was an artist at heart um I also just could not manage to find a good job so mm -hmm. for those five years that I was working as a nurse 
I kept landing jobs that were really nasty for me, like just um, staffing wise mm-hmm. shifts. I was working all nights. I was just like completely unhealthy. I had a miscarriage during that time. Um, and I, I'm quite certain that it was because I was just like not eating right. I was not sleeping right. I was under super, like a huge amount of stress. I was being mistreated at work. I was trying to be a whistleblower because I was seeing a lot of abuse happening and I was being intimidated for whistleblowing. Mm-hmm. Um, there was just a ton of politics that were just mm-hmm. overshadowing the beauty of what was nursing. Right. And um and it was just so, it, it's a lot more complicated. I mean, my story is sort of an unfortunate situation where I just had a really bad, bad string of luck um, and just couldn't get jobs that, that supported me um, on a holistic level, you know? Um, right. Like the bedside care was always wonderful. That's always going to be amazing. Taking care of patients is always going to be amazing. But everything else just didn't take care of me. Right. Um, so I was extremely unhappy right from the start. Oh, absolutely. I can attest to that. And and as the healthcare system changes and morphs and grows and expands uh, here in uh, the United States, especially, it is very corporate. Um, so I left uh, the hospital that I originally was employed by when I first started has grown massively over the last decade to the point where you you are just a number. You are very replaceable by someone cheaper than you. Um, so they would be fine with that. Based off your experience, you get paid more. Um, if you left, they'd be like, well, we got a new nurse ready to rock and roll for half the price. Um, so that became the mentality over the last five years. Like, and, um, and it's really disheartening, especially when you watch these, these men and women who have dedicated 30 plus years to the task of bedside nursing. And then specifically in like acute care settings where it's really, really hard, fast paced, people are mean to you. Um, it, it, it really drains you. And to not have that support, like you're saying, like the, the support in a career um, and to dedicate that type type of time and attention and sleepless overnights and all of these things when you have children at home, um, it's really hard. It's really hard. So um, I know there's so many people that are going to be listening to this that can relate. We have a lot, a lot of nurses um, in our uh, community and many of whom, you know, would love to do something else uh, or perhaps mix it up a little bit, go uh, per diem or part time. Uh, all of this is possible, you guys. That's the that's the cool part about photography. Yeah, just with um, just with all the the charting and and all the technicalities and the hierarchy of being in an interdisciplinary team, constantly having to be sort of the secretary and the go to person and the mm-hmm. the messenger between the doctors and all the other nurses and just and then the shift work and and then dealing with um, taking breaks and you know all all the just the politics mm-hmm. and the workplace sort of elements that go into being a nurse, all of that I felt took me away from the real quality um, care that I I felt like I I was there to do. Um, And it was just constant interruptions and then all these checklists and having to rush these patients out um, out the door because in two hours we had to get their room cleaned out so that the next patient can leave triage and enter their, you know, be admitted. It was just constant hustle, hustle, hustle. Um, And I, I, you know, even though, you know, I'm perfectly capable of hustling, um, and sometimes you just, you got to hustle. Right. Um, that wasn't, that wasn't the, the way I wanted to 
to spend my time. And that was, and I felt like I had a real gift um, at, you know, connecting people just felt like they could open up with me. Um, I felt like there was just a gift, you know, like just the longer I stayed as a nurse, the longer I was there, mm. I was able to, you know, just naturally just compare myself to other people. And I was, I was able to just watch other people doing the work as a nurse, men, women, whatever. And, you know, some just had this gift and some were just really technical and just, you know, getting the job done. Mm. And, and there's always, you know, just a huge gamut of like different people, different gifts, different strengths, different weaknesses. Right. And I just started to really notice that I had this strength of connecting on a holistic level, um, totally competent in the technical level, but but uh, just an additional sort of extra uh, capacity for mm. feeling alongside my patients. Yeah. And so I had this sort of like additional sort of level of empathy and sensitivity that actually made it harder for me to to, to sort of be this like driven nurse right. um, because I was feeling all these additional things and and all these feelings, and I kind of talk about that in the course, um, are, are a part of what makes me an artist, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but those feelings were kind of making me weaker as a nurse, if, if you could call it that, although I would argue that a, a strong nurse is someone who does feel. So I, I wouldn't want to take that away from the nursing profession. I feel like people do need to feel and they need to keep their hearts open. Um, but you kind of have to sort of harden your heart a little just to kind of get through the, dif the difficult, you know, parts and the, sure. the hard times in, you know, in the field. Um, and I felt like I didn't want to, I didn't, I was sort of struggling with that because I didn't want to harden my heart. I, I wanted to really feel it all. And I felt like I was doing myself a, uh, an injustice and I was being untrue to myself in becoming hardened. Um, so I'd go home and be like, uh, oh yeah, that was a really tough shift. And I dealt with this, 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 and this tragedy. And yeah, I'm feeling tough. I, I can do it like for sure. But then I'd still go to bed feeling like, who the hell am I? who is this person who's getting so hard and so tough? Like I just dealt with this terrible tragedy for this family. You can probably imagine what I'm talking about, you know, mm, yes. I don't want to get into details, but like really, really dark stuff happened. And I was becoming increasingly able to weather it. And, and, mm. and I realized, you know, over time that I was becoming numb and, and, and that numbness was allowing me to be a good nurse and, I, and, and then I'd look in the mirror and be like, I hate you. Right. <laughs> I really hate this person you're becoming because I don't want to be numb. I've never been a numb person. I've always been really mm -hmm. open-hearted, really sensitive, easily crying at everything, <laughs> but like in a really good way, just taking in the world and responding to it in a raw way. Yeah. And I loved that about me. And I was changing because of this career I was doing. And it just felt like just that little voice inside me was like just getting louder and louder. Like, what are you doing? You know, right. this is really not the path for you going into photography made me feel like I could I could really just kind of like turn this strength of mine into a service and I felt so confident in that service like I, I was so worried that you know if I went into art I'd be a bullshitter you know I'd be like mm -hmm. oh look uh, I'm an artsy fartsy person <laughs> uh, let's see how how many ways I can talk bullshit and, and and maybe someone will buy my art like I never wanted to be that kind of artist I wanted yeah. to have like a real quantifiable mission and, and I wanted to believe in that mission so much that I'd be able to boast about it and believe in every word I had to say about it right. um, and, and really truly believe that the thing that I can provide to people is a service that is not just luxury it's actually meaningful and mm -hmm. important 
Right. And that's and that's what birth photography gave me. I, I wasn't quite convinced about wedding photography and if that was because I just didn't believe my own words if I was trying to pose that um, as a potential niche that I could get into. Like I knew that I, I could be good at it. But did I really believe that I'm offering something new that isn't like every other wonderful, talented wedding photographer out there? Mm-hmm. Not really. I, I just didn't think that I was. I, that that was my calling. And then all of a sudden with my, my nursing background and just all these, the culmination of all these evolutions within me um, and sort of developing feelings and conflicts and like moral dilemmas that I was going through, I realized that birth photography is the way um, into like a meaningful path that I, I felt that I could sell, you know, and that I could turn into a business because I felt like I could really believe the words that I'm putting out there um, and really sort of walk the talk. Ugh. I love that. So with your families, with your mothers and your birth stories, do you interact with them or are you purely a fly on the wall? Like how, what is your method when you're inside of these situations? Well, when I first started birth photography, I, you know, nobody really taught me there's no manual. Um, And so the way I went into it, um, I was thinking that it would be more documentary photography where I am just a fly on the wall because morally speaking and also coming from a nursing perspective, I was just sort of fresh off the heels of being a nurse. So I just sort of like didn't want to get involved. I didn't want to affect anyone's opinions or thoughts. This is their story, not mine. I'm just there to take pictures. And so that largely kind of drove my my sort of work ethic in the beginning. Um, but um, gradually and not that long after, I sort of started developing this narrative, this sort of uh, um, creative look and feel to my work. And then that sort of like started translating to like actually getting clients who were hiring me for that look. And then like over time and just because of who I am, I'm always like just I, I always connect intimately with people. I don't just get hired and then come in with my camera, take pictures, say nothing and then leave. That never happens. No matter what I'm doing, I always sort of end up connecting and making friendships, you know, making right. connections. And I start like communicating with them afterwards and we stay in touch. And then I, you know, and we message each other on Facebook and we just become mm-hmm. friendly. And then they invite me to their baby's one year birthdays and oh. I may not go. But I'm just invited. I'm, I'm sort of part of their circle, you know, mm-hmm. um, and that just I never set out to do that. It just sort of happens because I'm just a warm person. And I, I like I love being invited into people's stories. You know, it's just something that is just part of my character. And I I, I like I, I embrace that. Yeah. Um, so I think just organically, it became more like less a fly on the wall and more just sort of like this passive quiet sort of active member of their birth story mm-hmm. like it it, it it sort of happened like it didn't it wasn't me suddenly changing my work ethic or setting out like a proclamation and writing new new rules in my you know <laughs> in my my contract like right. now I, from here henceforth I will no it was it was just like <laughs> it was just really organic and just became just very it just yeah like things just felt more social um clients mm-hmm. would you know women would hire me because they felt like the, the photos they've been following along, like they've been following me before. And so they felt called, like they felt like 
my images had spoken to them on some really mm. deep level and they felt compelled to hire me to capture their birth. And it was almost like they suddenly felt like they knew me through social media. Right. The social media thing is a whole other topic. Right. Um, we could t- take a whole day just talking about that and how <laughs> weird it is, how, how it connects people on really unpredictable, unpredictable sort of levels mm-hmm. in ways that you may not even foresee. And I had no idea how powerful social media would be in oh, the beginning. Totally. Like I completely did not, I completely underestimated Instagram. I thought it was just like a, uh, like just a completely superficial trend that mm-hmm. would like die um, overnight. <laughs> like I just did not take it seriously at all. Right. But then almost overnight, like within a few months, I started realizing, holy shit, this mm-hmm. is this is the platform. Um, this is the stage. This is where people's um, minds are altered. This is where people are looking to for comfort in their dark hour. Right. This is where women are 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 desperately looking for advice or comfort while they're nursing their babies in the middle of the night. Right. Um, or women who are trying to conceive and are looking at pictures to help them um, keep their dream alive. Like mm-hmm. this is really serious stuff. It's not a joke. Um, and what I'm putting out there is seriously affecting someone and, mm-hmm. and not just someone, many people. And then they started writing to me and I started getting letters, you know, little notes on Instagram from people around the world saying, you know, I'm trying to conceive. I just had a miscarriage. We just had this massive tragedy and your images are helping me pull through it. And, mm-hmm. you know, getting these types of messages almost like on a regular basis yeah. started really kind of hitting home for me and re- realizing like I, I've got, um, you know, this is really important work and mm-hmm. this is a really important platform and I need to take it seriously. And then from that point on, I started really kind of paying attention to who I took on, why I was taking on the work. Um, and and I no longer felt ridiculous for sa- for asking, you know, a brand new birth client, like, do you feel comfortable with me sharing this on, on social media? Because in the beginning, I thought, well, that's just vain. You know, why am mm-hmm. I even asking their personal story? It's completely private. I shouldn't even want to or or feel like they should be obligated to have me share their personal story online mm-hmm. but the more and more you know I did this and the more I realized that it was affecting it was positively influencing and affecting and encouraging women around the world yes. um, and and teaching people about what birth could look like uh, when birth is such a taboo subject and such a misunderstood subject mm-hmm. in, in Media, I realized, holy crap! Like I'm doing journalism here. You know, I'm 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 being a journalist, and I'm 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 affecting what media is out there. Right. And so it's not just it's not just art, and it's not just a, a um, private a privately commissioned service for one family. I mean, it could be, and if they wanted it private, no problem. That's a, a number one priority. If they, I I wouldn't. Um, you know, I would keep a, a birth story completely private if that was uh, what would they wished for. But most clients actually want them, you know, want their stories shared. Right. Um, and and it's just it's 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 social activism, you know, um, yes. through social media. And it's incredibly powerful and it's become a major part of my day to day work. And I feel like really strongly about it. And I have no I don't apologize for it. and I'm not mm-hmm. embarrassed by it. When in the beginning I was such a snob, you know, I thought like this is just shit. This is silly pageantry, vain millennial crap, you know. Um, <laughs> I love that. Really take it seriously. I it's not just uh, yeah. There's a real 
mission behind it. And the mission is is really respectable and beautiful. Oh, I love that. Social activism. Yes, I love that so much. Because you are a part of a shift in cultural and cultural perceptions, uh, especially, you know, revolving around birth. And for those, I've only ever done one birth, uh, so I'm not in this crew, but I, I can definitely see just by doing what I do for a living, all of the pushback and all of the very strong opinions um, on either side of whether to share or not. And I feel like what you're doing is so powerful um, and it is a part of a huge shift, a global shift in, in documenting and showcasing and exonerating these women in their primal glorious state. You know, it's, it's amazing. I, I even told you yesterday as we were you know, finishing up your course that I wish I would have known you when I was having my babies. I have no birth pictures of my babies, you know, and yeah. how sad, but that I, I was very conservative. I was very young um, and it just wasn't done. And I hadn't gotten into this world yet and had never even really seen a real birth story. Didn't even know that was a thing. Um, so what you're doing is incredibly profound and I, I couldn't be more proud to watch you kind of just take over the world. <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting. Like I wish I had known someone like me, you know, when I first got, got into things, cause I, I mean, I don't regret my children for even a second, but the relationship I was in, um, when I had my children has, has come apart. Right. And so I can't help but think back to those early years and sort of wonder, Kate, it's like, why, why did I, why, why did we move in together? Like, <laughs> sure. Why did I even think that like this was the thing to do? And um, and you know I have just like the swirling questions, you know, as a as as a woman who's just come out of a marriage um, with children um, between us. And you know, it's so interesting. Like I I I I'm in birth spaces observing the most incredible um, relationships um, that are transforming before my very eyes. Like these people are in love and they've procreated and here they are laboring together and supporting each other and then there's, there's going to be a baby there's going to be this baby yeah. that comes into the space before the end of the day and these people are going to be forever changed and whether they stay together later or not they will always have this connection that, that will never be taken away from them and yeah. um, and they will always be mother and, and father or mother and mother whatever the the situation is um, yeah. for them wise but I mean it's just like that's just like life altering you know permanently life altering experience mm. and I just see a lot of passion and a lot of love and um and and it, it really there's a it's just very telling to see how couples weather a birth and 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 um there's so many intricate intimate things that are um observed observable yes birth space um for mm-hmm. someone like me sort of on the outside looking in and sort of allowed to be in that space with a with a couple mm-hmm. um and you can sort of see sometimes like where they're faltering you know as a couple right like you could see like some of the cracks that are that are there um they may not even know there are cracks and they may end up filling them and and going whether they weathering them and staying together forever or those cracks may eventually you know, really kind of shift and they may go way down the road. I might not even know about it because we'll no longer be in contact. I'm just there for the sliver of time in their life, you know, but it's such an important sliver of time that sort of alters everything. And I just have to wonder if I had a birth photographer or if I was looking at birth photography 
like like my own kind of birth photography. Mm-hmm. If I was looking at that and pouring over it before I tried to conceive with that my partner at the time, mm-hmm. I may I may have been um I have may, I may have gotten insight and wisdom at that time when I was so impressionable and so naive, mm. just jumping into things so so quickly. I may have gotten the insight that I needed to like not even go forward with him. Right. Um but then my my babies wouldn't be here. I so know. girl, you know, you're preaching to the freaking choir. <laughs> this is me like on every given like, a glass of wine and oh my God. I I, I can't just I can't help but go round and round and swirl in these scenarios and what if this happened? What would happen? And my story would be so different and right. holy it's just so powerful and it just makes me think, you know how 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 important the work is mm. and i think about that too like when i go into a situation where i see like just passion and i and i just look at these couples i i can't help but think about my own story and how it might have changed if i if i had had someone come into my birth space and make me feel like the woman that i was i had no right. idea that i was the woman that i was when i was that woman i was completely oblivious to that incredible woman that I actually was right because I had no one there to like capture it and it wasn't just about capturing it when I'm there I'm not just snapping pictures I'm like saying things I'm saying like oh my god you're amazing you can do this and I just can't help but be the doula like on on the side you know I'm like you're you're doing this you are doing this you (laughs) are actually you're birthing this baby like and I I don't just stay silent I I'm part of their cheering squad Mm -hmm. and and where I say something to the partner, I'm like, you are being so beautiful right now. I just want you to know that, you know, and I say stuff because I think it's so important for them to realize like they may not just like I had no idea what the hell I was doing. And I had no template. Mm -hmm. I had no norm in my head. Like I hadn't been, you know, part of birth before in some capacity. Like I had no idea. And I think a lot of people like me, they had never seen like breastfeeding. Maybe Mm -hmm. they certainly been at a birth before um you know that's just just mainstream world in the modern world mm-hmm. which is uh, birth is so medicalized we just so many of us have just never really been exposed right you know and uh so um so i i feel like i have to say stuff because the more births i'm a part of i get to see all that but all these individual clients that i that hire me they have never seen anything like that right so going through it like I went through it myself like a, a very ignorant very uh, inexperienced person mm-hmm. um, going through it for the very first time um, and you know and even if it was my second or third time it's still only my second and third you know you just all you have is your your last birth to go on you know? oh my gosh and they're all so different and they're all so different and then everybody who does tell stories tends to tell negative stories because they're much right. juicier stories let's be honest right yes um so you know people don't really and you know we, we live in a culture where we don't want to boast so if I had a really good birth story well I'm not going to go and boast about it to everyone but mm-hmm. if I had even slightly negative experience well let's just talk about that because then, <laughs> then then we'll encourage the other person like well it could you know don't worry your experience won't be as bad as mine because right. mine was so Right? right and I'm being a good friend by saying it that way right so it's just it, there's so many legitimate reasons why um birth is so misconstrued and and misinformed you know um among you know everyday people mm-hmm. um it's no no one person or it's no one system's fault it's just this like big hairy world of details that are true and 
and not true and subjective and circumstantial and emotional and hormonal and like just it's a mess <laughs> and and so when i'm in there capturing it uh, i i'm not just capturing it i want to make an impact for that particular person that couple in that moment um because just from my own personal experience i know that i could have so benefited having that you know um and didn't have it so it's just it's it's activism and it's like active participation so it's not a fly on the wall i have to just admit that i'm not a fly on the wall um i i don't get involved medically let's put it that way right. i do not get involved in people's medical choices um uh, or birth choices um they may ask me for information i have a duty to answer honestly and if i have the information i will answer with information mm -hmm. if i don't have the information i'll say i don't know the answer to that but we can look we can look up that answer we can find the person who has that answer that's right. the nurse's response um but it's also the doula's response and it's anybody's response who's responsible and accountable you right. know you don't you don't you don't make up a, an answer you you're honest you need to be honest right um and just try to empower and advocate for that family. Um, and so I do that regardless of what hat I'm wearing, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but um, Ugh, yeah, I love that so just, much. It's, yeah, it's just all part of the whole process. Yeah. Amazing. Well, I know that births happen, you know, any time of the night, day, doesn't matter. How do you juggle uh, your mom life and your business life with being on call for birth life? Um, how do I juggle it? Um, well, you know, <laughs> I'm not with my partner anymore, but mm -hmm. he is extremely supportive. Um, mm -hmm. And he, it was actually he who suggested, like he saw me kind of deteriorating emotionally as a nurse. And it was he who actually pushed me like to even consider leaving nursing behind. Mm -hmm. um, it's very interesting. If I had stayed with my first husband who had been there supporting me through university, like yeah. if I had stayed with him, he would have been like, he would have had that sort of uh, he, his perspective would have been like, well, you put in all this work and let's just push through, push right. through, you know, right. Well, but then I left him and we ended that relationship and I, I connected with my, my next partner um, already after I had become a nurse. And so he didn't right. have all that baggage beforehand and he didn't see all the work I put in. Right. He just sort of saw me and he knew me like we grew up together. So he knew the artist Eliana way back in my mm. teen years. And then, and, and then now he was connecting with me romantically, if you want to call it that <laughs> as, as brief as that was, but he, you know, we were a part, we were a partnership for a brief time and he saw me as a nurse and he himself didn't believe it. He's like, I, I can't even, fa I can't even like wrap my head around you working as a nurse, but cool. Right. Awesome. Congratulations for being a nurse. But like, let's be honest, I, I know you as the artist. Right. And I, I guess just like that, even like that in itself helped me face my truth a, a little bit more than maybe um had I, I if i didn't have him from my past i may have been able to live the lie a little longer sure you know but because i was now with this person that had seen me grow up um it was very sort of like uh sobering and like just very it was like almost like looking at a mirror because i'd gr mm -hmm. grown up with him and he'd seen me um as a child so he he was the one who was like are you sure you really even want to do this because i mean like, i have a stable job um you know why not consider leaving it and starting something new 
you know, I could be the crutch, you know, financially. Um, and we can, you could start a business. Like I, I believe you could do it. Um, you've wow. got the tools and you, and it was he who gave me the camera for my 30th birthday. Mm. So I got my, my, my brand new DSLR. I don't know why it's so hard for me to say DSLR. <laughs> it is hard to say. <laughs> Such a stupid acronym. It's my first digital and I received it from him for my 30th birthday. And, you know, he was just like very, so kudos to him. He, he was, uh, he was definitely, he believed in me and thought that I should be doing something artistic and creative. Wow. Um, that definitely nudged me in a way that maybe I wouldn't have been nudged just simply on my own, sure. um, my own steam. Or, or I probably would have, but it would have taken me longer. I would have stayed in the career um, as a nurse longer probably before I, I finally um, left it. So... Um, so yeah, it was definitely his support. Um, and of course, like I say, I did put it off for a while. I was ready to do birth photography way before 2016, but I had little ones at home and mm. just didn't feel like I was ready to leave them overnight um, right. until they were, were a year old. Um, so my second child was born in 2014. She was two when 2016 rolled around. Um, and I really felt like I had given it that time, like a, yes. a nice chunk of time. And I felt like I could, I, and, and I didn't take on many clients in the beginning. I only took on like one, one a month, um, uh, one every few months. Um, just, you know, just kind of getting into things. Sure. Um, so things kind of started slowly, but that was good. I didn't want it to start. I didn't want it to be overwhelmed right at the beginning. Um, and uh, so that was that was definitely a really beautiful way to enter into. Uh, but also keep in mind, I was doing shift work before as a nurse. And so working night shifts and right. doing that kind of round the clock work was already a norm for us. So the, the fact that I would do uh, a, a birth once a month that ha that may ha may take me overnight, may not, was actually peanuts compared right. to working seven night shifts in the stretch totally. you know totally <laughs> so you know like nurses out there you get me uh, <laughs> I mean, totally. it's, just, it's totally different like I had to literally commit to seven nights a week or seven nights in a row and then I'd have seven off oh. but it was like but then like it would take me two days just to get back to living like a normal person at least the two days girl and then I used to do that too mm -hmm. yeah and once you get to the state, then you have all these errands to run and everybody has to do stuff because, oh my God, what are you doing? Like you've got seven days off. Like, holy shit, you should be able to like clean your whole house and pay all your bills and take your kids to the park and do all the fun things and go shopping and fill and 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 meal plan and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all in those seven days. Oh, and for sure you have time for self-care because hello, seven days. Of course. You know. No. And then, and then, then you're back. It's like, what? It's just like, you can't do that. That's just not possible. Oh, it, it, we're, you know, our brains are not wired. I, I don't want to sound horrible for all of you amazing nurses that work nights. No doubt. Uh, in a, and for sure, like I met women, I, not just women, but I, I particularly just met women, nurses who, who loved working the straight nights and it worked mm -hmm. for them. Um, many of them were not mothers of young children. I have right. to say they were older women who had a wonderfully set routine in their lives. They did gardening. They had these great hobbies in their life that supported uh, straight nights. And then they just did night shifts and they had, and they had balance in their life and that's yeah. fine and great and, and wonderful. And I'm super happy for them, but that was not my life. I, right. I couldn't do it. 
it, it took a huge toll and I was extremely unhappy and unhealthy. I gained weight. I was under stress. Like I say, I, I had a miscarriage during that time, which was mm-hmm. rough too. And it was just, you know, just a really dark time. So yeah. compared to that, compared to that, and I have that to compare to, I have no problem uh, being away from my kids and doing a night shift, if you want to call it that, with mm-hmm. a birth story. Amazing. Um which is like just one once, maybe twice a month that that happens. Um, you know, I can, I can deal with that. I, totally. that's, that's something, I can handle, you know, and having the support of their father. Yes. And he's there with, with them if that happens. Um, or if I, if, if it takes us into like daytime hours, then I can call upon my mom or his mom. And, you know, now they're older. My, you know, my oldest is, is almost seven. She's in grade one. Um, and my four-year-old, almost five-year-old is in, you know, daytime daycare. And so people are close by, they can pick them yes. up in my absence, you know, things, we just have like a, a, set, a, a routine. There's a contingency plan. Everyone knows my work yes. and what it might entail from month to month. Um, and you know what? I, I involve the girls, like the older they get. And even from the very beginning, like I would come home and I would collect my toddler and have my toddler on my lap nursing while I edited the photos. Mm. And so these children have grown up on my lap, seeing images of birth constantly. And then the older they get and the more they understand, I tell them, you know, so that they know like, oh, mom just left, it's 8 p.m., it's bedtime, mom just left. She just like got super perky and ran around (laughs) in a huff, taking a shower and drinking a coffee. Like what the hell was that, it's 8 p.m. (laughs) No, no, no. We know what's going on. Mom's going to one of her women right. to take pictures of a baby being born. Mm-hmm. And they know that the next day when I see them again, we'll sit down and look at the pictures together. Oh, okay. They're well, part of it, right? Amazing. They're part of it. And that's, that's so much better than me coming home um, gray-faced, yep. taking off dirty scrubs and feeling like a zombie and, mm-hmm. and hating my, myself and my life because I don't like my work and I feel like I'm living a lie. Like that, it's, yep. it's just so, it's that simple difference that I'm l- loving what I do. It, it, yes, there's a sacrifice. Yes, my kids don't see me, but you know, a bunch of us are working moms. Yep. We have jobs. I have to work. You know, I can't afford not to work. And I let them know that too. It's like, you know what, if mom mm-hmm. could be home all day, every day, um, maybe I would, but you know what, I'd be kind of bored. I like to work. I like to right. be busy. I like to do things, creative things. Um, and so stay at home mom isn't really the life for me. Um, but besides that, we couldn't afford it anyway, even if I wanted to. And so this is the best possible scenario for me right now, after all the years that have gone by that I was doing other jobs and wearing other hats and, and searching for meaning. I finally found, you know, at age 37, I'm living a life that has meaning that I feel proud about. I feel like, um, you know, if I died tomorrow, like I'd feel proud proud about what I was doing every day and and the the impact I had on my clients and also on my daughters who are watching yes. me do what I love yeah that's the most important thing let's be that's honest you know huge it's huge and we talk about this all the time and it's 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 a dialogue it's important for you to have an identity that is all yours and to have them have the same thing for themselves in the future. You know, you and I grew up in a time where um, it was a little bit more structured for women. We weren't, um, you know, I was watching my mother anyways, uh, not have much of a voice. It was just beginning. Um, 
And now we have a, a chance, you know, thanks to the women who came before us to increase the dialogue and tell our daughters, you know, you, you really can be yourself and find happiness and purpose and all of these things in your life and make your life wonderful with intention. And I show my kids that with the work that I do, you know, and, and you, so do you. And I think that that is a fantastic message, uh, to leave behind. And I love, I love that you have shown them that you really can make a living off creative work. I feel like that's something that is uh, kind of asinine to a lot of people. And I know when I was first beginning, uh, my ex-husband, he really struggled with that. He really struggled with the concept of why would you leave uh, a, a paying job where, you know, you have quote unquote security and to go try something that could fail um, but it's creative. And like you were saying, indulgent, I think that's a fantastic word to assign to the presumption of photography as a business. Um, mm-hmm. The indulgence and the the sacrifice and the selfishness behind doing that. But I love that you're showing everybody, um, and this is becoming more common, that you can provide for your family with creative work. It's one of my favorite things to talk about, and it just it gets me super empowered and inspired by other women talking about it too. Absolutely, and it just it, it it's so much. It's and it's it's additionally powerful to have work that you believe in like it's mm-hmm. it, it, I've met people who are just successful and they're bringing in money but they don't actually believe in it right um you know and and, and, and so you have to almost have like both you have to have the these are the both components sort of side by side all every step of the way you have to really believe in what you're doing because mm-hmm. if you don't then you are bringing in money and good for you but you're still bringing in money and that's going to quickly become a job just like any other job totally Right. Yeah. So it's, it really needs to, and that, and that's the beautiful thing about creative work that, you know, if you keep it creative, if you literally remember the definition of creative and keep it creative from day to day, then there's really no way you can make it just a job. Absolutely. Because creative is always different. It's like a fluid thing. It's not, it's not just a task that's the same every day that's repeatable. Creative is always fluid and always changing. Um, And so that means it always opens the door to constant learning fucking up and learning <laughs> sure. being a little scared being a little anxious trying something new having it not have not work out trying something new uh, another day like creative keeps things exciting mm-hmm. um it keeps you slightly on the edge you know but, <laughs> sure. but, but you know, that's why you need to have that balance of like okay you need to be able to thrive you need to be able to pay your bills that money still needs to be there you absolutely need to value your work and put yourself out there like a business but at the same time if you have that creativity going uh, that's like such an important sort of spice to make this like a proper meal you know what I mean because it's like you have to be able to do that in order to to keep this sort of like longevity wise you have to be able to just keep that creativity alive to keep you alive within that job Otherwise, it's just another job like any other. Absolutely. And the cool thing about self-employment and creative work is you have full autonomy to change it whenever the fuck you want. So if you are, you know, depleted of creativity, all of a sudden you find yourself run down with mini sessions and holiday sessions and you're losing the creative edge that you once loved so much you can change something tomorrow. You don't have to ask your employer. You are the employer. You're employing yourself. And I love that so much. Um, 
just about what we get to do. I just wanted to add that the creativity doesn't necessarily mean creativity in the work that you do, in like the, the, the images that you put out. Creativity could be playing into how you manage your business. Mm-hmm. You could be creative like what you said where if you find yourself burning out because you don't you've done one too many many session blitzes mm-hmm. and you're just like oh my god you're feeling like you're a machine and you're burnt out and you just can't even look at these images anymore then you got to get creative in in what to do next in replacement of those mini sessions because hey you know what those mini sessions did generate money right and if you're really sick and tired of that and you need a break well you need to do something else to bring in the money in replacement of it. So let's get creative and thinking about how else we can generate money. And so creative doesn't just mean, oh, let's make a pretty image. Creative can also be like, okay, I'm just going to sit here for the next half hour or next afternoon and really get ambitious and outside the box and think about how I can, you know, shift my revenue or shift my, my, my business um, behaviors over the next month or two so that I can take a break from X task that was killing me mm-hmm. and bring in the money. So creativity is kind of a big word when in terms of self-employment, it can seep into all areas of being self-employed, not just the artist, but also the businesswoman or businessman, um, uh, marketing, branding, all of the different elements that kind of go into um, perhaps you might want to take up some teaching or mentoring or, mm-hmm. or other things, you know, um, or sort of uh, stretch your, your niche a little bit and do something that you haven't done before just, just to bring in the money, but also, but also as a break, as like a creative, a fresh thing that you can do that just sort of adds, adds flair to, to, to the work that you've done, you know, so creativity is a, a big word and just, just want to encourage people to be, cre- you know, um, flexible in how they even define that word itself, mm. you know. Couldn't agree more. Let's transition to talk a little bit about the course you just created for the Academy. Um, can you describe it and talk a little bit about your intention behind its creation? Oh, well, um, it was pretty wide open. So thanks for that. It was like full uh, <laughs> rain. And so I sort of went and kind of went into myself and asked myself, well, what do I really want to talk about? Because there's so many different ways that you can look at the fine art of birth photography. Um, and also kind of took a peek at what um, Unraveled Academy already had um, <clears throat> available for students. So I really just kind of wanted to, um, I think it's mainly timing because I was just been going, I've been going through a lot. Um, right. I've just had a really rough year, um, basically, um, just since um, making the decision to walk away, you know, well, not walk away, but just end, end the marriage that I was right. in, um, and how to navigate that with two children. Um, well, and I also have a stepdaughter, so there's actually three children to, to, to think about, um, and a home and all that. And then my father got ill um, in the spring, um, and and then he ended up passing away last month. Um, and so it's just, it was, yeah, just life just got really raw and really real. Um, it was always real, uh, but yeah, just a lot of, um, a lot of stuff was happening that was requiring me to be truly engaged in like a very honest way right. in everything that I was doing. Um, and, and birth just felt like a much more raw experience. And, um, you know, I just felt like, I was just getting really philosophical, right? Like just, just you know, when you're faced with these huge life events, you can't not get philosophical about things. Um, not if you're really looking at things happening in front of you. Like it's right. just like there's, it's just 
there's a ton of wisdom that hits you when life gets hard. Um, that you wouldn't necessarily otherwise experience. Like if life was always easy, well, what would we learn from it? You know, um, we wouldn't necessarily learn a whole lot if life was always an easy ride. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that anyone ever has an easy ride. Life is just always full of ups and downs and, and learning opportunities. So mm-hmm. um, I really just wanted to take that and, and, and dive into what I was going through as a birth photographer, dealing with just, and the dichotomy of like, um, weathering a marital storm and a mortality storm in my own life um, and and how to balance that with the work that I do which is most often uh, really triumphant and and beautiful and like just the beginning of life and couples they're they're most passionate you know Um, there's a there's a there's a contrast there but it's not actually opposites there is a contrast but that doesn't mean that it's opposite. People are still struggling and right. babies are born even in the wake of loss. A woman may give birth a month after she lost her own mother. Right. Um, birth doesn't wait for the right time. Um, <clears throat> and conception doesn't necessarily wait for the right time. And death sure as hell doesn't wait right. um, at the end of the day. And they're all connected, you know, like there, there's certain primal unmistakable things that connect us all no matter where we are on this planet and no matter what year it is or what century or epoch it is like we all are born we eventually have sex at some point in our life and we die um and most often babies end up in the mix and that's what makes the world go round and that's what humankind is all about um and evolution and all that stuff and you know it's just it's all extremely connected and um i feel like even just from my own personal experience as a, as a nurse too like it just there's just so much taboo around the subject of death and there's mm-hmm. so much taboo around the subject of life and there's so much taboo around the subject of sex and sexuality and women's bodies mm-hmm. and i just getting really fucking tired of all those taboos and um especially when all of those subjects are so critical and they affect us all and change us all all the time and make us grow all the time like how can those critical things be taboo like this is ridiculous and and that's what I wanted to talk about I wanted to talk about these you know you know troublesome subjects that so few people like to talk about um, because I'm not afraid of them. I, I've, I've never been afraid of these subjects. Um, um, I've always been pretty open and pretty, um, well, people might in the past might have described me as crass and, and <laughs> vulgar because I was never really afraid of talking about sex or I was always very curious about it. Um, right. uh, you know, um, so, and I grew up, I have to say, like, I grew up with extremely low self-esteem, very poor body image, always hiding myself. My mother never got dressed in front of me. I never saw the female form right. nude ever. Like, it was completely shunned and shamed. And, like, uh, sexuality was like, you know, we would be in the living room and there'd be a kissing scene on TV. And my mom would quickly um, t- turn the channel to another <laughs> channel. Like, she sure. did not feel comfortable with anything like that. Um, and then my dad... Um, took the other approach where he talked about things way too early in way too of an adult kind of way. And it was gross and disgusting and totally inappropriate. And he just fucked up bad in his own way. And so I had these like two weird contrasting worlds, like right. really, um, really conservative, um, you know, 
uh, unfortunately, um, sort of um, side of my mom, and then yeah. which is the woman that I'm supposed to be learning from in my home, right? Right. Uh, a man that I'm supposed to be trusting and looking up to in my home is the one that's gross and, <laughs> and inappropriate. Um, right. And, you know, and just having to grow up as a woman coming from that kind of household, I had to sort of do a lot of my own work myself. Right. So coming from that kind of past, I became extremely comfortable and extremely curious, like unapologetically curious about sexuality um, and, you know, sexual orientation um, and just um, that whole. And, and then in becoming a nurse, I got, you know, faced face to face with death and illness and the decline of life. Mm-hmm. as well as birth and, and the beginning of life. And um, it just felt really natural to, to sort of dive into a course like this um, by bringing together these themes and, and, and teaching people that they are connected. And mm-hmm. only when you see them as connected can you really appreciate one or the other um, and appreciate your own life and kind of see where you sort of fit in your life kind of like just sort of life life wisdom that, that could apply to anything to, to whatever you're doing regardless of whether it's birth photography or anything like I, I truly hope that that other people within the academy take this course just because even though I'm a birth photographer it's it's really not about birth photography per se it's about just how you view um, the world around you and how you view your own sort of path and you mm-hmm. and the meaning of your path and how you interact with people around you Oh yeah. It's deep. You guys, uh, go check it out. It'll, it'll make you cry. It'll make you think it'll make you question things and all in the best possible way. Um, honestly, it it is one of the best courses that we have in our Academy by far. And if you let it, it will take you to the next level creatively and just as a human being. So Eliana, we cannot thank you enough for being you, for being a part of our community and for everything that you've poured into it. Um, We're so grateful. Well, thank you so much. I just wanted to like, just say one last thing because it's so important that the, you know, I I did a lot of healing. I did a lot of grieving through this course, through making this course, um, especially when making my behind the scenes video. Um, It took me a long time to really finalize that video because it was so hard for me to go through it. Um, And, and I, and, and, and I know that you'll, you will cry or you will feel like maybe I want you to cry. And you know what? Actually, I, I really do. I want you to like feel stuff, even if you don't cry, you're not a crier. But I, w- I want you to feel uneasy and I want you to feel like you're faced with mortality um, because I think that that's the only way we get honest. You know, I feel like in birth and in death, life gets really fucking honest and everything in between is full of noise. Everything in between is full of etiquette and social constructs and expectations and obligations and the things that we're expected to say and feel and blah, 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 blah. Um, But, and that's the beauty of childhood, right? Like really early childhood. It's so innocent. And when you say innocence, it's about honesty. I'm talking about raw honest wonder and questions and just not even subscribing at all to these constructs. And that's the beauty of children and infancy. And that is also the beauty of being elderly. All right. Like when you look at elderly people, they also don't give a fuck right. about any of that shit that they were dealing with that in their 40s, 30s, 40s, 50s. They don't care. They're just living every moment um, mm-hmm. for what it is. And they have their wisdom that they've acquired, their humor. They are their essential beings. And when they die, it's like when they when they approach the end of their life, 
um, they are at their most pure and at their most honest. And I feel like because we don't have enough exposure to birth and we don't have enough exposure to end of life, we are not privy to that kind of honesty very often. Right. And we forget what that kind of honesty and that kind of rawness and, and authenticness is all about. And we're sort of struggling to find that authenticness within us. And so this course, like my, my main, my main um, hope for anyone taking this course is that you, you know, you don't necessarily need to suffer alongside me and my suffering and my, my grieving and healing, but take that and, and try to apply it to your own lives. Um, look at your own lives. And, and if there's anything dark or difficult or hard that you've been avoiding, um, I really encourage you to go into it and, and tap into it and move through it um, because that kind of honesty that comes from doing that kind of inner work will positively enrich your life no matter what you're doing in whatever work that you do, um, no matter what. Like it's just going to make you a healthier person. It's going to improve your blood flow. It's going to improve your heart rate. Like on every possible level of functioning, med medically, Physi physiologically, emotionally, spiritually, if you just tap into that honesty that is prevalent during the beginning of life and at the end of life, if you try to pull that uh, out from wherever you are in your on your lifespan, you will be a much more healthy person, um, you know, regardless of what where you're at. So I, that's that's the, the main sort of moral of the story here. And I really hope that 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 this course helps you touch that. Ugh. Amen. I'm not even kidding you guys. You're going to be blown away. It's, it's nothing that's ever been made before. Um, game changing education right here. So seriously, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. From the bottom of our hearts, Sarah and I are so, so grateful for you. Um, so yeah, you guys go check it out. She's also going to be going live in the Facebook group to answer questions for all the students uh, next month. Um, so stay tuned for all of that. Um, but again, thank you for being here. I can't wait for that um, in November. So I'm super looking forward to that. And thank you so much. I, it's such an honor. And it's I'm extremely moved that you found me and that, that you're uh, giving me the space. Thank you so much for tuning in. It means so much to us that you're here and we hope you walk away feeling inspired as hell. If you're not already a student in Unraveled Academy, go to www.theunraveledacademy.com. You can also access the link below. Come join us. We have a seat waiting with your name on it.